Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. November 21st, 2021. And guess who's with me this morning? It's KT. Happy Sunday, everyone. And she's here only till I start Susie School. But we both wanted to announce to all of you the winners of the Ultimate Opportunity Sweepstakes from Alliant Credit Union. So we have the winners. And all of you I know want to know who won. So are you ready, everybody? Let's start, KT, with the $1,000 winners and work ourselves up to the grand prize $10,000 winner. Can I go first? Of course you can, my <laughs> love. Go on. Okay, our first winner is Namicio from Sacramento, California. Yeah, so Namicio, you're one of the ones who said, yes, you would like to be contacted. So you need to know very shortly, probably next week, I will be calling you just to see how you are and how it feels that you won $1,000. And we'll she's go She's going to make there. sure you keep saving it. That's why she's <laughs> calling you. Oh, you never know, Namicio. <laughs> I may approve you for something else. Right. The next winner for $1,000 is Marguerite from Greenbelt, Maryland. Now, Marguerite does not want to be contacted for whatever reason. So, Marguerite, we are just going to be leaving you alone and just enjoy your $1,000. Next winner, KT, is... Okay, we have John and Marcia from Hoffman Estates, Illinois. And John and Marcia also do not want to be contacted for whatever reason. So, all right, John and Marcia, you don't want to talk to me? Hey, okay. I don't know why, but <laughs> there you go. Next winner is Donna. Donna, you have won $1,000, and Donna is from Coons Rapids, Minnesota. All right, we have one last $1,000 winner, and KT, tell everybody who that is. Okay, that's John, and John is from our home state. He's from Florida, from Sebring, Florida. And John also, for whatever reason, does not want to be contacted. So Donna, I will be calling you as well, but John, in this particular case, doesn't want to be contacted as well. Do you I, think? I know why. Why is that, KT? <laughs> They're all afraid that if you contact them and if they have any debt, you're going to say, all right, that money immediately has to be used to pay off debt. I, they're afraid of you. Yeah, but they don't have to <laughs> listen to me, although they should. They should. All right, now, the next winner is the $5,000 winner. 
And that goes to Jonathan from Hobbs, New Mexico. Now, Jonathan wants me to talk to him and call him. So, Jonathan, next week I will be doing that as well. And KT, because you are just as cute as a little button, I'm going to let you announce the grand prize $10,000 winner of the Ultimate Opportunity Saving Sweepstakes from Alliant Credit Union. Yes. All right. Ready, everybody? His name is Alfred. And he's from Bloomfield, Colorado. And guess what? What? He wants me to call him. <laughs> Congratulations. Right. What a great, great, great fun surprise. And for Alfred, all of maybe you. both KT and I will be calling you an Alfred if you want, as you know. Part of the sweepstakes was me also doing not a makeover totally with you, but to co- to converse with you and talk to you about your money and see what it is that you want from it. So our conversation will hopefully be a lot longer than the conversations with the other people, but you never know with me. And I just want to say to all of you, uh, having a conversation with Susie, in my opinion, is priceless. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, everybody, because it goes far different than people have any idea that it's going to go. But We want to congratulate all of you. We also want to say that this sweepstakes was a tremendous success. Hopefully, we can get Alliant Credit Union to do it again next year. We'll keep our fingers crossed. And if you don't know, the Ultimate Opportunity Savings Account is going to continue throughout next year as well. It has been such a tremendous success, and so many of you are saving so much money, even more than you ever thought you were going to. And a lot of you are about to get that $100 bonus because you've almost been doing it for 12 consecutive months for one year. So I just want you to know that we're so pleased and so honored that Alliant Credit Union is our partner in this podcast. And from the looks of things, especially for these seven people, they should all be really happy as well. All right, Miss Travis, it's time for me to do Susie School. Enjoy Susie School and congrats again, everybody. Oh, and there goes Miss Travis. Have a good time today, Katie. Actually, I'll get to join her after this podcast is over. So today's Susie School, I just want to revisit once again, inflation. And for those of you who are looking for ways to invest during this inflationary period of time, a great option, as I talked to you about this before, are series I bonds, I standing for inflation that you can purchase through treasurydirect.gov. But after I gave that podcast, so many of you wrote in and said, what about TIPS, Susie? And TIPS stand for Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. So I thought, okay, we need to do a Susie School on the difference between those two. But I also think it's important to just briefly touch upon inflation why it's happening and why it's probable that it's going to continue to happen for a while yet. I don't know if that's through next year or whatever, but it just doesn't seem to make sense that inflation would go down. And one of the reasons that I say that is, have you ever seen when somebody raises prices, your taxes on your home, your property taxes, your insurance for your home, whatever it may be, or even the rent, for your apartment. 
Have you ever seen when somebody raises prices during periods like this? Do they ever really lower them? Like when there was the real estate crash in 2008. Did any of you hear from your insurance company that they were going to lower your insurance premiums because this $400,000 home that you were paying insurance on and you wanted insurance to replace it if anything happened now was valued at $100,000. Did your insurance rates go down? Did your property taxes go down? Have any of you ever rented an apartment and your landlord said, we're going to decrease your rent? Have they? So what concerns me is that I don't think so. So when prices go up on certain items, such as rent and homes and things like that, it's almost as if that built-in inflation, at least what you're paying for that home, tends to stay. Now, obviously, if prices go down, people who buy at that time buy at a lower price. But you, if you've already purchased, I think these prices are pretty much here to stay for you. So how did all of this happen? And I'm sure that you're all very aware that over the past two years or so, the government put $6 trillion, $6 trillion dollars directly into your hands. And that money came to you regardless if you needed it or not. What drove me crazy, I just have to say this, about a lot of these stimulus programs that went on, I knew people who were getting that $1,200, that $3,600 because they had people in their family. And the truth of the matter is they didn't need the money. They actually didn't need it. They didn't lose their jobs. They weren't making that much, but their expenses weren't that much. They had saved this money. They were all fine. Everything continued on, but yet they got thousands of extra dollars just because. As that was happening, the government started to shut down the economy to protect everybody. And they did so by shutting down services such as retail and hotels and all kinds of things, restaurants. So where all of you normally would spend money, as well as when you would buy things, those things weren't available for you to spend money on anymore. So just about everything you, we used to spend money on and KT and I were talking the other day, we haven't taken a trip. We haven't, you know, done half the things that we normally do. And that saved us a whole lot of money. So every year at about this time, we go through, well, what did we spend our money on this year? And the truth of the matter is the amount of money that we spent on goods via Amazon went up dramatically from what we used to spend on Amazon or other places when we would go out. So here we are, and we have all of this extra money. But it wasn't just us. It was all of you. Because what did you spend that money on when you couldn't spend it on going out to eat, going to a hotel, going on vacation, and all of those things? You too spent them on goods probably through Amazon, which is why Amazon stock went through the roof. 
And the truth of the matter is, it wasn't just you, it was everybody. And what was interesting is that the infrastructure of all of these companies that are used to knowing what you do order so they have it in stock for you, they couldn't keep up with the demand. You were all wanting to buy so many things, me included, that they didn't have those products in stock to give us. So therefore, what happened with that is that started to create supply shortages. Just that simple. Today, suppliers have still not caught up with the demand. So even though services are almost recovered, the problem is now at this point is that the employees want more money. You know, just two days ago, I was on CNBC and wrote an article for them that you can look up called The Great Resignation and how so many people have just resigned their jobs. They don't want to go back to work, especially those who feel that they were underpaid. Now, if an employer wants to hire you, they're going to have to pay you not just $15 an hour, you're going to want $18, $20, $30 an hour, and the employers really have no choice. They have to pay you. We have ultimately the lowest interest rates that we have ever had for this long of a period in the United States. And when you have low interest rates, then your costs to borrow money also are far less. So with low interest rates, your mortgage payments may not be the same, even though prices on homes are very high, but many of you own homes. And what you did was that you refinanced a home that maybe you bought five years ago before all of this craziness happened four years ago, three years ago, and you refinanced from four or five percent down to two, two and a half percent, which did what? It freed up cash, more cash for you to then spend. And that adds to what? That adds up to the demand of goods because what do you spend that extra cash on? Goods because services went away for a while. Now services are coming back and now you're spending it on everything. So inflation is going to continue unless two things happen. Number one, productivity gains will let supplies catch up with demand. What does that mean? It means that somehow we're able to ramp up the time that it takes to produce those microchips or whatever it is that we want, and that we're able to produce them faster so to meet your demand so that therefore prices stay stable. Also, we need to absolutely increase the interest rates. But the feds have to tighten enough to reduce demand. And the way that they do that is by increasing interest rates. Because think about it. Look at the price of homes right now. Maybe you feel that you're able to buy that home right now because the interest rate is only a two and a half, three percent 3%. But what if the interest rate to buy that exact home was 4%? 5%, 6%. It's not that long ago that mortgages were at 6%. And then interest rates started to go down and down and down to do what? To spur the economy. 
Because truthfully, if you think about it, nothing spurs the economy more than real estate. You buy a house and what else do you buy? You buy all the goods that are in the house. You buy all the things to fix up the house. Then property taxes, everything starts to increase and there we go. But the problem is neither of those things seem to be on the horizon, which means that inflation most likely will continue and maybe intensify over the short to mid term. Now, what's so sad is that over the years that we've been figuring out the inflation rate, the way they figure out inflation today is very different than they did back in the 70s. Now, you may not remember this, but I sure do. In the 70s, inflation was rampant. In 1980, because inflation was so rampant, interest rates went up and up and up. And two things happened. Number one, a mortgage would cost you at least 16, 17, 18%. But it also affected the savings rate where people who were saving in money markets and things like that, they were getting 18, 19, 20, 21% on their money. And in the 70s, they figured inflation a certain way. Then as time went on, they changed the way that they figured inflation. But if we were to figure inflation today, like they did back in the 70s, our inflation rate today would be about 15%. Now, granted, some things have changed and everything, but you know, things cost us more, even though they say they don't cost us more, because it kind of makes the economy look good. And it makes the administrations look good. But still, your bottom line, in my opinion, isn't good. It's not that good. Many of you listening to this podcast have serious sums of money because I've talked to many of you. You have 2 million, 7 million, you have money, and you like listening to me. But the majority of people out there, they don't have that kind of money. And they're working and they're working and they seem like they're just never getting ahead, even though everybody says the economy is just fabulous. So the question is, is it fabulous for you or is it not? Now, there are many people out there that need to make sure that their money keeps up with inflation. Because otherwise, if you just let your money sit and you're not investing it or you're not working with it, and inflation continues, that means your money is buying you less. So your money is actually decreasing rather than increasing. So we have to make sure that you know that and you understand that. And therefore, that's why you have to make certain investments. Now, with that said, many of you just don't want to take any risks. What I love most about the Women and Money podcast is that the majority of my audience is 50, 60, 70, and 80 years of age. And many of you are in the situation where you just want to keep your money safe and sound. The stock market scares you. You don't really understand what to do. You don't have financial advisors that you trust or you don't know where to go to get good financial advice, which is why you're listening to the Women and Money podcast and everyone's smart enough to listen, by the way. But um, that's why I introduced series I-Bonds to all of you a few months ago. So now let's go to Susie's school. And let me just give you a brief reminder of what series I-Bonds are 
and let me compare them to tips, treasury inflation protected securities, and the pros and cons of both, and who should invest in which one. If what you're looking for is really a place just to keep up with inflation while this is happening anyway, and a place that you want your money to be safe and sound. So, Series I bonds. Again, I stands for inflation. And people buy Series I bonds through treasurydirect.gov. That is where you have got to go. You can't buy it at a brokerage firm. You can't buy them at a bank. You have to go to treasurydirect.gov. The maximum amount of money that you can buy is $10,000 per year per individual. And again, on the past podcast, we talked about like I have myself done and so has KT. If you also have a trust with an individual different tax ID number, you can also buy $10,000 for your trust. But you're limited on how much money you can put into a series I-bond. Now, why is that? Why was it that years ago, I was able to put $30,000 a year into series I bonds. Now I'm only able to really put 10,000 in most cases. And they're saying they're thinking about decreasing that to $5,000 a year. And that is because they're really great investments. Doesn't it just kind of irritate you on some level that when something's really good, they start to limit how much money you can put into it. I would think they would want you to put as much money as you possibly could in it so that you can make the most out of your money, but they want to make sure that they make the most out of their money off of you. So therefore, series I bonds, maximum again, in most cases, $10,000 a year. However, you can buy Series I bonds for as little as $25. Now, Series I bonds consist of two parts. They pay you, number one, a fixed interest rate. Currently, that fixed interest rate is 0%. The second part of a Series I bond is that they pay you what according to the CPI, Consumer Price Index, an inflation rate as of November 1st, that rate happens to be annualized at 7.12%. Now, what you need to know about the interest rates on Series I bonds is that they're good for six months. So if you bought a Series I bond today, that interest rate six months from now would possibly change for you depending on what series I bonds are paying at that time. Series I bonds change their interest rate every six months on May 1st and November 1st. So you should remember those dates. So if you happen to buy one, let's say you bought it in uh, October the 1st of October, before the change, you would have gotten a 3.54% annual interest rate. That will be good for six months. After that, whatever the current interest rate is that the I-bonds are paying is what you will get for another six months. What's very important for you to understand about I-bonds is that 
Number one, you do not pay taxes on the I-bonds at all until you redeem them or they mature. Again, series I-bonds mature in 30 years. So if you do this, you can keep these bonds for 30 years. And then after 30 years, you will need to redeem them. But you can, anytime you want, after the first year, redeem any amount of series I-bonds that you have. Now, you heard me just say after the first year. That is because when you buy a series I-bond, for the very first year, you cannot touch it on any level. Years two through five, if you want money out, you can redeem them to treasurydirect.gov, but you will pay a three-month interest penalty after five years, from five to the 30th year. For those 25 more years, you can redeem them anytime you want without that three-month interest penalty. However, you will pay ordinary income taxes on whatever that amount is above what you originally put in. You will not pay state income tax on that money. That money is only taxable on the federal level. All right, let me just continue for a few more seconds on series I bonds. Again, because that interest rate is tax deferred, you're not paying taxes on it while you own it. You cannot own a series I bond in your retirement accounts. It's not legal to do so. You also need to know I bonds can only be purchased by individuals which is why you don't have an I-bond mutual fund or an I-bond exchange traded fund. It's because that would be mutual fund companies buying them and they can't. Again, I-bonds can only be purchased by individuals. So very quickly, let me just summarize this for you. The pros of series I-bonds are as follows. There's no federal tax while the money is in there. It's tax deferred. Also, you can take money if you meet certain qualifications and take the money from a series I bonds to pay for college expenses and not have to pay any tax on the amount of money that you earned whatsoever. You should check that out because not everybody is eligible for that depending on your income. The cons truly are the limit of how much money you can buy. $10,000 is really a lot of money, but for many people, maybe they'd want to put a million dollars in. If I could put a million dollars into a series I bond, I absolutely would. But you're limited to the amount of money that the government sets, which is currently $10,000 a year. It's also not a good option if you need income. Remember, series I-bonds do not pay income out to you like a dividend from a stock or a treasury bill bond or note where they pay it every six months. So if you're needing income, series I-bonds are not for you. And really, if you need your money prior to one year, they're not for you. And really, you should have it in mind that if you're buying a series I-bond, you really don't want to touch it for the first five years, even though you can for a three-month interest penalty years two through five. All right, do you all need a breather for me right now? 
no, come on, we can do this. Next, tips. Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. These differ from I-bonds in that you can buy them not only at treasurydirect.gov, which is the only place place you can buy series I-bonds and redeem series I-bonds, but you can buy tips at any brokerage firm. You can buy them on the secondary market. You can also buy them through treasurydirect.gov, but they are liquid to you. They differ very much from a Series I bond in that what happens is unlike a Series I bond where your interest rate and CPI inflation fluctuate all the time, but your principal stays the same, in a TIPS, your principal value is what changes. So if inflation goes up, that means they add that increase to your principal value. So if you put in, let's just say $10,000 and inflation goes up, when you look at your statement, you'll see that $10,000 now is worth maybe $11,000. So your principal fluctuates, it can go up and it can go down. Now, tips can be purchased in $100 increments, and there is no limit whatsoever. You want to put $2 million into a tips, you can. Also, tips have different maturities. They come in five-year maturities, 10-year maturities, and 30-year maturities. Now, remember, I-bonds cannot be bought or sold in the marketplace and you have to wait till the bond matures or you redeem it through the Treasury Direct. Tips, however, can be sold or bought at any time you want. That is a big deal. Also, tips can be purchased by people other than individuals. That is why there are tips mutual funds or exchange-traded funds. What's interesting and you need to know about a tip is different than an I-bond, they do pay interest out to you every six months. However, you have to remember that you will pay income tax on that. It's because they not only pay out your interest rate, they can pay out some fluctuation in values as well. So tips are a really good thing that you might want to own in your retirement accounts. So briefly, the pros of tips are, you have no limitation. You can invest as much as you want. They can be bought and sold on the secondary market anytime you want. So you could take advantage of fluctuations with inflation. If you feel like you've made money and you want to cash out, you can do that with a tips. Again, TIPS make semi-annual interest payments. So if you're looking for income, TIPS are the way to go versus a series IBOM. The cons of a TIP are that TIP investors, as I previously just said, you will pay taxes on your investments as well as the inflation adjustment made to your principal value. So again, remember, they are much better for IRAs and things like that. Now, those are the differences between the two. If I had to summarize it very quickly, I would say do both. If you have enough money to buy series I-bonds right now and do tips, I don't have a problem with that. If you're looking for income, you would buy tips 
versus series I-bonds. If you need your money liquid to you, especially within the first year, you would buy TIPS versus series I-bonds. And those are really what you should do. So I hope the Susie School educated you a little bit on inflation, why I think it may be here to stay for some time, and why series I-bonds and TIPS are a good choice for those of you who just want your money to keep up with inflation. All right, everybody. Now, before I sign off, I had a fabulous time with William Shatner the other day. It will be aired. He has a program called I Don't Understand. And we had the best time ever. That man is deep, I have to tell you. But I think Susie Orman went deeper with him. But I loved it so much. So take a look for it because it was such an interesting conversation, at least I thought so. And I was just so honored to be interviewed by him because he is such an extraordinary human being in my opinion. Again, congratulations to our winners of the Alliance Sweepstakes. So the Ultimate Opportunity Savings Account will continue all through next year. So for those of you who are looking for a great place to put money that's safe, sound in a company that really, really cares about you. Alliant Credit Union is it. Go to myalliant.com and that's where you would open it up. Learn more about the Ultimate Savings Opportunity Account and you just never know what we might have coming out next year that many of you would want to take advantage of. All right, so until Thursday, oh my God, Thursday's going to be what? It's going to be Thanksgiving. Robert, Robert, my producer, who's listening to this right now. I'm here. What are we going to do for that? What are we going to do? I don't know. We have to think about it. Well, I think that between uh, you and KT and myself, maybe we can do a little, uh, get Colo involved, do a little... Maybe uh, we'll just have a whole family podcast. Love it. But until then, may you all remain safe, sound, and secure. And once again, congratulations to the winner of the Alliant Sweepstakes. See you then. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.